0: Trust shot. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Ars Blog, Arscast, right here on arsblog.com. I hope I find you well today. Well, it has been quite the week for the Arsenal, a momentous week. And what can you say about that game? That performance, that result against a team that plays football the way they do. Well, I, like me, I'm sure you're filled with pride and love for the Arsenal. Uh, just something special. But enough about Wolves, we also beat Barcelona in midweek too. And that, as you might imagine, is the main talking point of today's show. Joining me in a few moments' time will be Amy Lawrence from The Observer uh, to discuss the game, some of the performances, what it might mean and the way the team is performing in general at this moment in time. We've also got uh, Arshavin. we've got some news and possibly a tale of the unexpected, as well as looking ahead to the Leighton Orient FA Cup game and the game in midweek, which is against Stoke. Thinking about it, I might not actually look ahead to that game against Stoke because I've pretty much already said everything that needs to be said. That game should have taken place a few weeks ago, but was called off because of snow. Stupid snow. And if you go back to episode, let me have a look here, episode number 180 called Of Mice and Len, after our old friend Lenny, you can hear what I have to say about Stoke, because nothing's changed in the meantime, and there's not much point in me saying it all again. So if you want to hear it again, go back and listen. If you haven't heard it in the first place, go and listen for the first time. And uh, there you go. Uh, So, Barcelona. That was a bit good, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Quite a bit. Well, a lot. A very lot. Um, Barcelona have caused us much pain down the years. Um, I remember going to uh, Wembley to watch the game in 99 and seeing them beat us 4-2, and I was staying, I don't know where the hell I was staying, um, in a strange hotel somewhere, was one of those ones where if someone broke into your room at night and murdered you, you wouldn't be at all surprised. The guy who was running, it seemed very nice, it was one of those old house hotels, and it was a, a bit strange. And I think at the, at the time, was there a, a meet-up for the Arsenal mailing list, which was the height of the internet back then, um, which took place within sight of Wembley somewhere, but I can't remember exactly where, um, and that caused us pain. And then there was the whole Champions League final thing, and then there was the last year and all that. So it was very good to get the result and finally get a win against Barcelona, and against a Barcelona team that are quite fantastic. And they are a very, very good team. And it makes our result and our win all the sweeter. You know, beating Manchester United, with all due respect, is better than beating Wolves. So beating Barcelona is, well, I mean, it's as good as it gets in the modern game at this moment in time. Uh, The goals were fantastic. Van Persie's was brilliant. And the second goal, I'm sorry, that's that's just a, a brilliant, brilliant piece of football from Arsenal. And the patronizing way in which Clive Tilsey said, it's a Barcelona goal. You fucking wanker. It's not. It was an Arsenal goal. And Arsenal scored those goals quite a lot. In fact, we we scored a, a fairly similar goal against Wolves at the weekend. Brilliant one-touch football in tight uh, tight positions. And we opened them up. And that's what we did against Barcelona. Finish from Arshaven, absolutely fantastic. And while I accept the fact that Barcelona are a very, very good team and and really do deserve a a huge amount of respect uh, for the way they play football, some of the stuff that I've read in the wake of the Arsenal result has just been absolutely ridiculous. And I'm sorry, the worst of them all is Oliver Holt in the mirror. Even when Barcelona lose, they win. No, they don't. Winning and losing are the very opposite of each other. You can't do both. Unless you're talking about a two-legged affair, which you win the first game and lose the second by a smaller margin uh, than you won the first, in which case you win. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about... I mean, some of it is like... Uh, he said, it was the kind of night when the result didn't matter. Um, yes, it did. To both teams, I think you'll find. And to UEFA, who run the competition... They had to have some kind of result at the end of the game. So the result did matter, and it mattered to Arsenal, and it mattered to Barcelona. He said, it was enough to sit back, take it all in, and watch Barcelona turn football into something so beautiful you could hang it in the Louvre. As opposed to your writing, which you wouldn't hang in the Louvre. When the final whistle went, he says, it felt like everyone was a winner. Well... From an Arsenal point of view, and from the Arsenal fans' point of view, yes, we were all winners, but ask Barcelona if they felt like winners. It didn't look like they felt like winners. Their fans didn't look like they felt like winners either, I have to say. Arsenal were the actual winners, and Barcelona were the uh, losers. What losers being opposite of winners, if you refer back to the start of this. And then he says. Barcelona played like gods for most of the match and still hold the advantage in the tie. They hold the advantage despite being a gold down. Okay, okay. The rest of us, well, we got to gaze at one of the wonders of the sporting world. What was one of the wonders of the sporting world? A very good team being beaten by another team. Was that the wondrous thing? Or were you saying that merely looking at Barcelona is so wondrous that we should forget everything else that goes on? We should forget that Arsenal beat them. We should forget that Arsenal came from behind to beat this sporting Gods 11. I mean, seriously, respect to Barcelona for the way they play football. It's brilliant. You can't argue with that. But this was the written equivalent of of a hand job. This fawning nonsense is just, it's too much. It's sickly and barf-inducing, and really, I don't know how he can even hold his head up. Because there were two teams out there, and yes, one of them was very, very, very good, and has proven to be very, very, very good over the last few years. But the other one won. The other one scored more goals than these footballing gods. And that's really where the focus should be, particularly from an English writer writing for an English publication. Because I can guarantee you that no matter how well Arsenal played, there's no way the Spanish press would call them sporting gods or say their football was so beautiful you could hang it in the Louvre. My hole. I mean, seriously, it's just, uh, he should be ashamed of himself. He really should. But aside from that kind of stuff, the, the joy and the what that game meant to Arsenal fans was obvious. Um, online and offline and at the stadium and outside the stadium and in bars. And it was just brilliant. And I know people talk about it being half time. And there's another thing it's not half time. The tie is half over. You only get half time within the game itself. So you can't say it's half time. That annoyed me too. I don't know why. It just did. But anyway, we know that there's another game. And we know it's going to be really, really difficult in the new camp. But, you know, you've got to enjoy these nights when they happen. And what's really refreshing is that pretty much everybody, bar one or two, and there's always one or two, has really enjoyed it and enjoyed it for what it is, a great win over a great side. And we score great goals to do it. And the roar from the crowd is just absolutely fantastic. And what I wouldn't have given to being there, And those of you that were, were really, really lucky. To have witnessed something like that firsthand, absolutely brilliant. I mean, if you can't enjoy a win over a team like Barcelona, uh, then there's something wrong with you. Like, actually wrong with you. And you should go to the doctor or somebody to find out what it is. Because you're missing out. uh, Because that was fucking brilliant, and I loved it. Um, Anyway, to tell us what's gone on since... Uh, the last stars cast his weekly roundup here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's my 32nd roundup. Wolves 2-0, Fuck Wolves, Barcelona, I want to cut these cunts ruin their cunt, started brightly, Robin Chance, pop Picadas, oh, oh, oh. Joe on next week's Arscast. Now, uh, joining me to discuss the Barcelona game and all the other bits and pieces and the effect it might have on the team, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arscast from The Observer Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Oh, happy days. <laughs> um, I suppose there's only one place for us to start and it's the the first time that any of us can remember seeing Arsenal beat Barcelona and it's come off the back of some painful moments and some even more painful moments and then the whole well, the things that have gone on off the field as well. And um, it was just a fantastic night and a fantastic result for the team.
1: A fantastic night for the whole club and everybody connected with it. And I think you, you felt inside the stadium that something elemental clicked, really, that night. And, and it was, it came from Wenger, it came from the players, it came from the supporters, it came from the boardroom. It was the whole thing. It was undeniably the. The best moment, probably, that has been in the new stadium, and when uh, Arsenal moved in, everybody did talk about the importance of having moments to make a history in the stadium to make it feel like home. And I think, um, you, you know, that that it, it seems daft because it was of course final; it's first leg, and obviously, in the grey skin things, it it might end up not meaning anything real and tangible in yeah. terms of winning anything. But what it means. In uh, in an emotional way, um, it just felt sort of like a volcano going off and a whole load of emotions. Everybody felt it very deeply, I think, inside the stadium and, and that can only be good for the club as a whole.
0: The the confidence that the team will take from something like this, because we talk a lot about, you know, let's say if they win the Carling Cup, that they need to know that they can win a trophy, uh, you know, to to instill belief and confidence. And they might take something similar from this result against Barcelona because not many teams beat Barcelona. And not many teams beat Barcelona when they play as well as they did on Wednesday night. They really did play uh, particularly well, they do what they do all the time. They kept the ball, pressured us, um, you know, put our our defense under a great deal of pressure when we had the ball, and obviously when they had it as well. Um, so to 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 withstand that sort of an onslaught, uh, possession wise, from Barcelona to turn it around and to score the two goals, uh, they're going to take huge confidence from that, I think.
1: Absolutely, um, I mean, as everybody knows, that that one of the characteristics of this arsenal team is the fragility um, and everybody knows that on a good day this arsenal team uh, can be an absolute pleasure and an extremely effective team but it's all those not such wonderful days um, I guess epitomized by the Newcastle performance you know we've got to remember that was only very very recently when the first half it's everything that's good about arsenal and the second half was everything that's chronic and it, 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 you know it is these kind of games where, hopefully, and these kind of atmospheres which can make something click in the players to help them to get over the uh, the nerves and the doubts and what have you. And it's an old cliche now, but it is a young team um, with a lot of players who have been sort of slowly and steadily evolving. And with the exception of Fabregas, who's obviously been involved with winning uh, trophies at the very, very highest level with Spain... There's not that much experience of winning things. Um, and and it, you just think that something like this, because there's so much... Look, everybody inside the stadium had that feeling at 1-0 down. Um, Barcelona were playing some exquisite football. And you just sort of... It, oh, it did go a bit quiet, you know. And you could see at one point Fabregas was trying to whoop up the crowd and giving it a big come on, come on, you know, a, a corner or something because it had gone a little bit where people were feeling the worst. So you know that this team has uh, Achilles heels at the back and that's why everybody thinks this is, a, let's enjoy this, but let's let's be a bit practical about the second leg. And of course you're going to go and have hopes of finishing the job off, but the expectations are also tempered by the reality of knowing that Arsenal can always concede goals and Barcelona can always score them. Um, But, I mean, you know, it's really important for the team and the management and the club and the fans to enjoy this at the moment for what it is, because these kind of games, these kind of results, these kind of moments don't come along very often. I mean, the the Arshaven goal, the feeling when that went in, it's up there with Alan Smith, Palmer, uh, 1994, John Samuels, 1970 Fairs Cup, on uh, Me" and the Bernabeu, you know, really, really special European moments for the club. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that, that the Arshman goal, will, it matches those in a way for for what it, you know, for the importance and what it makes people feel.
0: Uh, you know, you're just mentioning it there, and I've actually, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I've got goosebumps just even thinking about that goal, because, the, <laughs> you know, it really was... It really was incredible. Is there any uh, coincidence in the fact that uh, in the in the two games we played against Barcelona, this season and last season, in the last 15 or 20 minutes, Arsenal have been stronger and have finished the games better? Um, we saw it last oh. year and we, you know, we saw it again this time that uh, perhaps Barcelona, maybe they're not used to having to play for 90 minutes in, in the same way that maybe Arsenal are.
1: But then, I mean, a, a contentious game but uh, uh, from a couple of years ago, albeit, but when Barcelona played Chelsea in the semi-finals, and um, the uh, uh, Iniesta goal, I think mm-hmm. it was, in stoppage time, which, which turned that semi-final for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they have showed that they've got the capacity to do that, and I think they are specialists of, of late goals as well when, when they're needed. Um, but I think that... Um, when they're when they're pressing, um, there was a point during the game when the the guy sit next to we were sort of a bit watching Barcelona, thinking it really looks like it's like a trick trick of the eye. It looks like they have more players on the pitch. The way that when they press and they hound um, possession from you, and it just looked like whenever they were defending, they had more players around whoever had the ball, and whenever they mm. were attacking, they had more players around the ball. Um, and perhaps I think the, the energy that they put into that pressing game, which I think is one of Guardiola's major things, he's he, for all the passing and the skill that they are um, renowned for, the final that they played against Man United, um, that was in a tremendous example of how they hounded and pressed and wouldn't let an, another team settle at all. Um, and th- that gives them their
2: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Platform
1: to be devastating in attack, which they are most of the time. And you do wonder, it, you know, how hard it is to put in that level of effort and energy for ninety minutes all the time.
0: Mm. I was going to say, you look at the way Alves didn't get back to Arshavin uh, for the second goal; he was strolling back. Now, whether he was just being yeah, lazy, yeah, but Everway
1: could do that, and Chris could do that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm too carried
0: away. We've all seen it happen. All right. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, focus on on Arsenal and a couple of the the positives. Um, uh, two young men one of whom was making his Champions League debut, uh, and another guy who's just turned 19 years of age, and I know you've got uh, a little bit of a crush on Jack Wilshire, which must be huge now at this stage. But we'll start, we'll start with Wilshire. When you consider the opposition, and you consider the players that he's in the middle of, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets... World Cup winners, as you say, Champions League winners playing in the best. He was just outstanding. And uh, as I said in the blog yesterday, it sort of reminded me of that game in the Bernabeu where they spoke afterwards of it being a coming-of-age game for Cesc Fabregas. Now, it, it might be a little sooner uh, for Jack Wilshere, but if, if he can do that at this stage of his uh, development against a team like Barcelona, it, it just bodes so well for his future
1: think anybody fortunate enough to have seen Jack Wilshere when he was 13 or 14 or 15 knew that this was this was what was brewing um, and it, I think when you see the kind of performance he had against as you say that top 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 caliber of Barcelona he can he can be easily a, a great great player at any level in any company, and he is already. And uh, considering this is his debut season and the beginning of the season, in many ways he was. He was a bit lucky to get in because of injuries elsewhere, and, you know, he half-anticipated that, and Arsene said that what he wanted to do was give him a few games, give him a bit of a rest, you know, softly, softly, but the boy's too good, you know, He he's put himself, played himself into a position where he must start every important game. I mean, he's probably due a rest against Orient, which speaks volumes, really, um, but he he's, in, he's just got so much about him that it it's a mockery, I think when you hear Fabio Capello talk about him as a, a Makaleli. Um yeah. that uh, was a wonderful player, but wilshire that 's not his game Wilshire is so um, he's got so many assets offensively as well, uh, and I think that that a bit like sesk the the older that he gets, the more experience he gets, the more that that, that side of his game is, will flourish, and he's been quite sensible in at the beginning playing a bit more cautiously um, and just making sure he's not been making mistakes. And steadily, over the last few weeks and months, he's been expressing himself a little bit more. Uh, and the other thing that will come from Wilshire, absolutely for certain, is goals. In the same way that it, it took Sesco a while, he had such quality in his game. Fabregas as a youngster, but people said, oh, you know, he, he doesn't score many. And Fabregas always scored a lot of goals in youth football. And then it, when he made the break into... The, you know, the adult game, so to speak, that took a back seat for a while. And Wilshire also scored a lot of goals in youth football for a midfield player. And there's no question that that will be an, an, another string-twist bow that we can all sit, sit back and look forward to seeing that flourish too. It's just tremendously exciting. And, you, you know, you talk about the goalkeeper as well. What a difference. And, yes... Uh, You know, everybody must remember that Almunia put in a a fantastic short-stopping performance against Barcelona a year ago. But this guy has an authority that really, you know, no goalkeeper playing for Arsenal, has had for quite some years. Uh, And he looks unfazable and he's got that fabulous presence. And it's so reassuring for the rest of the team. And I think you can see in the way that the defence plays as well They're more relaxed. They've have faith in this guy behind them, and um, it's it's remarkable. And, I, and because I'm a bit of a nerd, I actually uh, made a little list of the age of the players that uh, when they joined Arsenal from the team of last night. And then much is quite rightly said about Barcelona um, being, you know, apart from being such an amazing team, the fact that they're pretty much largely homegrown. Yeah. Well, of the team from. Uh, from the Barcelona game at Emirates. Most of them, uh, uh, Chesney came at 16, Juru came at 16, Fabregas came at 16, Song came at 16, Walcott came at 16, Benton came at 16, Wilshire came at 10. So that's most of them that (laughs) have come from a very, very young age. And then the rest of them, Aboué was 21, Tichy was 18, uh, Nasri was 21, uh, and Percy was 20. So the only player above 21 when he joined the club from the starting lineup was Koscielmi, and he was 24 when he joined the club. And I think that everybody deserves a lot of credit at the club for that, where they might not all be, quote, youth products, unquote. You know, people may quibble about where they came from or what age they came from or how much they came for or anything like that, but they were all formed at Arsenal Football Club. Mm. And Arsenal Football Club played a, played a massive role in all of these players emerging into the players they are. Because you know they've become educated and they've been given this license to show who they are and what they're capable of at this club. So, uh, so I think you know I think when Arsene talks about wanting to have a kind of a culture and an identity of the club in his players, it's pretty remarkable that you know not that many have come from the outside or come at an mm. at an oldish
0: age. Let's uh, briefly just look at the team uh, overall because, you know, the, the result against Wolves, uh, performance-wise against Wolves, was very good. And, and perhaps a sign of maturity, uh, and Cesc talked about the team being more mature, was that after the Newcastle debacle, there wasn't a hangover. We didn't, we didn't react badly to it, whereas we have in, in previous games. And you have to go back to uh, December 13th since we've lost a game in the league that was against Manchester United. The only game uh, in that 15 games since uh, that Arsenal have lost has been the Ipswich game in the Carling Cup, and that's a cup game. So uh, in terms of performance and consistency of performance and results, um, they, they seem to be finding real momentum now, as opposed to the start of the season where there was a couple of good results and a bad result and a couple more good results and a bad result. So it just wasn't happening over a longer period. Is there encouragement to be taken from the fact that they're able to do it now over what appears to be a longer period of time?
1: Well, if you're going to have a good run, now's the time to have it, isn't Mm. it? And um, I think if you look back to 98 and when uh, Arsenal first arrived and, and that first title winning team, you know everyone everyone sort of sniggered oh, it's the creatine isn't it that they suddenly had this power in the <laughs> latter stages of the of the season to just sort of demolish anything in front of them and I think it was the ten game winning streak in the league that uh, um took Arsenal sort to title that season, and it was a feature of the early Vanga teams that they would be very strong in the in the latter third of the season and just go on these good long runs um that sort of disappeared over the last few years, where it's been more like Arsenal have got themselves into quite a good position, and then the house of cards has come tumbling down around about February, March sort of thing, mm. and a, a, a crack has gone into a chasm, and everything suddenly falls apart. But um, so obviously it's encouraging. But this is a, a young and new team, so it's it's all new for them to be in this position. In a way, it's still early. It's still only uh, February, and there's so much football ahead, that, you know, let's not jump the gun. Um, and as I said, Newcastle, that Newcastle experience is still very fresh. Um, and I think we all know that Arsenal have sort of been specialists in um, giving everybody hope and then <laughs> managing to kick themselves in the foot and and, and have everybody groaning and, oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's the hope that kills you sort of thing. Um, so, of course, everybody's entirely Correct to be very help, hopeful after uh, an experience like went to Barcelona, um, but there's still you know huge challenges ahead domestically um, and and abroad. So everybody just has to cross fingers and hope people stay fit. Though I think that, that the options in midfield and up front are terrific. It's whether or not the the, the defence can can manage. Um, Sanya coming back is going to be a big advantage, mm. but you know any any uh, long term absence of
0: the main defenders. Um, well let's who, let's not even think you know, about that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> all right. Let alone the
0: goalie. Well no, anyway. absolutely not. Alright, um well we better leave it there and we can enjoy our smiling days.
1: Yeah, we could talk all day, can't exactly.
0: we? <laughs> we could. We could. All right, Amy, um thanks very much. Yeah, okay, lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed to the always awesome Amy Lawrence. We'll have her back on the show between now and the end of the season for sure.
3: Arsenal Football Club today announced a breakthrough in television media. Having beaten Barcelona 2-1 in the European Cup, the Gunners announced a DVD to celebrate. Chairman Peter
0: Hillwood said, We are releasing a DVD which could take footage of us not releasing a DVD like those small-time cunts from down the road. The DVD does not cost 9 99 and is not available from Friday. Now, still to come, a look ahead to the late Norian game at the weekend. Uh, in the FA Cup fifth round, some team news to come on that. But right now, here's our
3: Hello, I am Marshavin. And uh, this week have a very good week because uh, one have beat Wolves. Uh, number two have beat Wolves in Premier League, and uh, three have beat Barcelona in Champions League, and uh, I have make winning goal and. Uh, I run, run with a t-shirt on head and under a shirt with picture of Arshavin make a sh- And many people ask me, Arshavin, why do shh when you score? And I say, uh, shh. And they say, yes, this, why go shh when score? And I say, shh. And they say, yes, this, I am trying to find, it can go for a uh, Long time. Sometime. But uh, Barcelona. Is a great team. And we have to play uh, very well. To win game. But uh, also have a player. That uh, don't like. You know when. uh, See. Person with face. Hand face. Make you want to. um, Take face. And cut off face. With knife. And set face on fire, and later um, put acid on face, and take face and put in microwave two minute, ping, and take out microwave and take hammer or hit, hit, hit face over, 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 and then put face back on person. You know, like uh, Tevis. Yes, but uh, for me, buskets like this. I hate his face. We'll wait till after game at new camp, but uh, then I think I will uh, cut off face. Then microwave, ping! And hammer. Always with hammer.
0: And who amongst us would not like to take Busquets' face off and put it in a microwave for a couple of minutes before bashing it repeatedly with a hammer? I know I would. <clears throat> uh, Leighton Orient at the weekend away classic FA Cup tie away from home against the team and uh, the lower leagues we're going to rest a lot of players I think quite a lot of players are going to be rested given the fact that we've got Stoke in midweek and then the small matter of the Carling Cup final uh, the following Sunday so it could be an interesting game and uh, you're going to see Players like Scalacci, Rosicki, Danielson, Hibue will keep his place. I think uh, Gibbs will come in. Almuni will probably play in goal. Uh, Shamak, Bentner. Uh, These guys will start. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they can um, perform because they haven't necessarily performed particularly well in recent games when they've been given a chance. Um, Diaby is still suspended. Bakary Sanya is back. Johan Juru misses out. He's got a back injury. I wouldn't be too worried about that. I suspect that they're taking uh, very good care of him, knowing how important he is when we play the likes of Stoke and also uh, the Carlin Cup final. So he's going to sit this weekend out. Um, You would have to think, even though we're going to rest quite a few players, we would have enough for Orient. Uh, But there you go. This is the FA Cup you never do know. Um, And then Stoke... In midweek. Well, you know, I know I said it all before, but what a pack of fucking horrible cunts they are. Tony Pubis, Ryan Shawcross. You know they're going to come and they're going to put it about a bit, because that's what they do. And Pulis will complain when Arsene Wenger doesn't shake his hand again. And I really, really hope we fucking stuff them. I mean, really properly stuff them. I hope there's no towels on the sideline for fucking DeLapp and his long throws. He's got that special shirt that he wears, doesn't he, with a towel on the inside of it? I mean, really. And you have to hope that we keep the momentum going and don't pick up any injuries along the way because next Sunday is the Carling Cup final and a chance at Silverware. The first one we've had since, well, when was that? The, The other Carling Cup final. And before that, the Champions League final. So we need a trophy. And that's all to come in next week as well. Uh, But in the short term, we'll concentrate on Orient and hope that the uh, the second string can come in and perform. And then on Stoke and hope that the players that we do put out against Stoke beat them mercilessly. In football terms, I mean. I don't mean coming out with chair legs and literally beating them without mercy. Although I, I could live with that too. I just don't think we could cope with the suspensions ahead of the final on Sunday. ultra sometimes is the answer, you know. Anyway, I think we will best leave it there. We'll keep fingers crossed that everything's good between now and the next RS cast. So until then, take it easy. I'll chat to you all week and all weekend on the blogs. Bye-bye.
4: Oliver Holt here... Did you ever get up in the morning... Look in the mirror and think... My God... That's beautiful... No? Well I do every morning... That's because instead of a mirror... I've got a picture of Chavi... Not so good for shaving... But great for my erection... Then I get in my car... I can't see what the traffic's like. My left-wing mirror, messy. Right-wing mirror, beer. And my rear-view mirror, Iniesta. It's like a foursome of beauty. Then I get to the office. The mirror, the real mirror, the daily mirror. I look across, and there's Robbie Savage. And I think, oh, fuck. My life
2: is fucking
4: shit.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.